Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by NASCAR Truck Series legend Mike Skinner is set to join us. We'll talk about Mike's awesome career in the Truck Series and also what he's done in all levels of NASCAR, including what he could tell us about David and their relationship. Should be a great show. We're looking forward to getting with Mike in just a moment. David Starr joins us first. David, appreciate it as always, man. Thanks for joining us. We're getting close to Daytona now, aren't we? Dude, it's just right around the corner, and I wish, uh, you know, I wish I had some news to share, but uh, hopefully uh, by our next next podcast next week, we'll have some news, hopefully. It's uh, pretty stressful nights, and uh, I'm excited, and I'm stressed, and uh any every emotion you can imagine but uh but just been working hard just thank god we have some great partners and looking forward to announcing something and, and getting the series getting on with the the new season you know and man i'm uh yeah it's pretty cool to have mike skinner on here with us i'm excited about us getting to interview him yes and we'll have you introduce mike in just a moment i want to bring in dominic oregon from the racing experts.com dominic always good to have you man what's happening Man, always good to be a part of this show and a part of this presentation, man. Just really excited to to be here. And, man, for, for our fans, too, we've got some stickers. I got to thank Jimmy and Kathy <laughs> Stevens out of Sinefax here in Grand New Mexico. We've got some Let's Go Racing stickers. So right. if you'd like to get some stickers, email us at the email show, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll get something figured out and get you some stickers while they last. Yes, while supplies last is the key to that right there. <laughs> And uh, we'll uh, certainly uh, be glad to get those out there as well as some other stuff we're working on here. So definitely stay plugged for that. David, uh, we're bringing in Mike uh, to the show and uh, Mike Skinner. And, I mean, what a legend uh, of what he's done in his NASCAR career. Uh, I mean, there's so many different ways that we can go with this. Uh, tell us about, before we bring him in, tell us about Mike and, and, uh, and, and what you know from your perspective, David. Oh man, you know his nickname is the Gunslinger. Anybody's got a nickname, the Gunslinger, that that just kind of says it all. But man, what a great guy, a fierce competitor. You know, uh, just man, every t just growing up, and when I first came into the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, man, Mike Mike was the guy. You know what I mean? He was the guy for a long time. And if you were going to win a race, you had to beat Mike Skinner. And uh, man, the guy he could lay a lap down, and not just lay a lap down. I'm talking about win poles not just barely winning a pole. I'm talking about, you know, half second, a second. I mean, guy's incredible, you know. And uh, as I came into the sport and I watched him on TV for a long time before I made it into NASCAR. And, uh, you know, just the name Mike Skinner caught my attention. But uh, once I became, got in the sport and was involved in it and got to meet Mike and, and know what a great guy he was. But, man, what a fierce competitor and it's what an honor it is to have him on our show. But he, uh, you know, you just look at him, you know, I was kind of doing some research on him. I know him well, race against him. He's won a lot of races. And, man, the, the, if you just look at what he's done in our industry, I mean, the impact he's had in our industry and the things he, ha he has done, uh, man, what a, what a career, you know. So I'm excited to bring him on and just, uh, you know, we could have three or five shows with Mike Skinner, you know, but we only have an hour here. So, uh you know, it's a lot to talk about. Yeah, certainly. Mike, appreciate you joining us, man. Thanks for uh, stopping by here on uh, Let's Go Racing. All good, man. It's my pleasure. <laughs> David, where do we want to start with Mike here? 
So, Mike, man, uh, man, it's, first of all, it's an honor to have you, buddy. Uh, it's awesome to see you. You're looking good. Man, you know, we uh, we had Jeff O'Dodd on last week, and, uh, man, there's so much to Mike Skinner, you know, and uh, just want to kind of ask you, man, how did all this start? You know, how did how did Mike Skinner get involved in stock car racing? You know, were you a kid? Was your dad involved? <laughs> how did the Mike Skinner, how did that develop, and, you know, and, Tell us, how, yeah, I mean, how do you come this big legend in NASCAR? You know, I mean, I can't wait to hear the story, you know, how it all started. I don't know about big legend, but um, I, it, it's a crazy story, actually. I had a 71 Roadrunner. Awesome Beautiful car. car. Absolutely. It was one of the fastest cars in town. And, and you know, I was always out running the cops and doing crazy <laughs> shit. And, uh I put a new set of tires on it and I'm driving around this road called Richmond road in Susanville, California. Okay. And I'm running probably a hundred miles an hour. And I go <laughs> through this corner and there was two cars coming straight at me. And there was these guys, they were drag racing and it just kind of eased me off the road or I was going to have a head on collision. Right. Long story short, wrecked the car got all tangled up in a barbed wire fence and the insurance company totaled the car. And my friend, Alan Costick, which has been passed away for a long time now, he said, you, you are a crazy son of a gun. He goes, you're always, <laughs> you're, you're always the fastest guy around. You don't take no crap from nobody. And you, you, you drive amazingly. And why don't we make a, we called them hard tops back then, Dave. Okay. That's how long ago. It was. <laughs> it was probably before you were born. Anyway, <laughs> He said, let's, let's build a race car out of that thing. And, and so I'm like, okay, why not? I bought the car back from the insurance company, put a roll cage in it, took all the glass out and stuff. And uh, so off to the fairgrounds raceway, it was a half mile dirt track, um, fast track in, in Susanville at the fairgrounds. My very first race, they make me start in the back and I passed everybody in two or three laps and drove away. And I came around um, and got the white flag and there wasn't even anybody on the same straightaway with me. <laughs> and I came off a of turn two and the right front ball joint broke. And it was something we missed. It right. happened in the original crash and we didn't catch it. And it was obviously cracked and it, and it finally just broke. Car flipped end over end three times, rolled, I guess, one and a half or two and a half times, landed on its roof. I'm laying there upside down. I'd never been trapped in a race car before with an aircraft seat belt. I'm racing in cowboy boots. We didn't get a chance to move the battery like you're supposed to. So the battery exploded. Battery acid's dripping down on my face and, and I'm, I'm embarrassed and I'm pissed and I'm hanging upside down. And so I finally got the seat belt, jerked the seat belt open, fell on the roof which pissed me off even more. And I crawled out from underneath the car, just had a small little burn on my face from the battery acid. I was so embarrassed and so mad. I kicked the side of the car and broke my big toe. <laughs> broken bone, I got out of the crash. Oh, man. So we, um, we said, well, that was fun. It lasted like one race. So we, we took the car out to Janesville and it sat there for four or five weeks. They, they ran two or three races. And my buddy, um, Rudy McGowan, says, hey, I, you know, that thing shut off when it started flipping, didn't it? And I said, yeah. He said, well, the motor's probably okay. 
And I said, well, let's go see if it'll start. And so we, we put, of course, there was no oil or nothing in it. We put oil back in it and um, took a five-gallon can of gas because the fuel tank was tore all to pieces. And we cranked it up. Things smoked and bounced and farted a couple times and, and sounded good. So we tied that car with log and change to a big tree and took two four-wheel drive trucks and straightened that car back out enough to get it to roll and took it and we we immediately started engineering front end geometry and we wow. put a bunch of camber in the front and we you know we got the caster set the way we wanted it and we said let's take it back the body was beat all to pieces but we got got the wheels all lined up right and um we went on and won uh, the next six races with it and won the championship and, and didn't even run all the races. So uh, it was kind of like, okay, well, I thought I was going to be a billiards player, but I'm better at <laughs> racing and it's more exciting. And the yeah, girls like it. Absolutely. What a, what, hey, Skinner, what a cool story. And the gunslinger was born. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, really, I mean, unbelievable, man. So the car, the first race, you got to, you know, the, just typical Skinner, half lap lead. Okay, your ball joint breaks, car flips over. You you finally get out of the seat belts. You land on the roof. You're embarrassed. You're madder in hell. You kick the race car. You break your toe, and then y'all go stretch this thing out with two four wheel drives at a tree. Yeah, and, and you, I mean, and y'all engineer. I can only imagine the suspension. And y'all get back in that thing and start kicking up some butt. Winning six races, won the championship. And Mike Skinner, the gunslinger, is born. What a great story, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was it was wow. crazy. That that's back in the early days when you know nowadays it's really, really hard for a driver to carry a car. You know that. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. As well as anybody. And uh back then, man, we were all crazy. I mean, we 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 were so passionate about what we did that we just felt like we had to win. There was no choice. There was no right. second was no good. And so we just really was very, like I said, very passionate. And we, we ran hard. I mean, and we, I'm telling you, man, we would, we would drink beer. We smoked pot. We were a bunch of renegades. <laughs> we, I mean, we, we just, we partied and then we would race and be dead serious about racing. We worked hard. We would literally go down there on Thursday and Friday and I'd run the road grader one week and drive the water truck the next week and help prepare the racetrack so we could put on a show on Saturday night at the fairgrounds. And uh, the, the racers themselves would go prepare the place and we would be all good buddies then. And then we all hated each other on race night when we had to raise each other. Dude, what an awesome. Did you ever think, you know, when you're preparing to racetrack and running those cars back then that you would ever turn out to be NASCAR legend Mike Skinner and be teammates with Dale Earnhardt and be almost winning the Daytona 500 and just, you know, end up with all the, I mean, can you, you had no idea what was going to, what was about to happen years looking forward to Mike Skinner. You know, what a, what a cool story though, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Really didn't. And, and uh, my ex-wife now, um, the mother to my youngest son, she told me, she said, you know, we need to move back East. It was, there was tough times out there. It was kind of a recession 
um, back in the late seventies. Right. And, um, so we, we, uh, we decided we're going to catch it in. I had a well drilling business Okay. and uh, we drilled water wells and I wanted to be a billiards player. And when I got the racing bug, I decided that that was way more important. And so we, uh, we headed in 1983, we headed uh, back East to North Carolina and, um, that's, that's I, amazing. Amazing story, Mike, because, I mean, I think it, if I remember right, I saw this, that I think your first NASCAR race was 1986. Is that is that correct? That is correct. So, so man, absolutely. In, Go ahead. In, 80, in 83, we we went back there, and Terry Elledge, which you probably remember Terry Elledge, he was instrumental with John Dysinger and a lot of the guys at Bill Davis in developing the, the, the phase nine TRD, the first Toyota race uh, NASCAR engine. Absolutely. The first push rod engine that they had built. And, um, so I, he gave me a job. He was the engine builder at Petty Enterprises. Wow. So I worked in the engine shop at Petty Enterprises the first year when Richard and Kyle was still, still there. The STP sponsorship was on the 43 car and Kyle drove the seven car with seven 11 on it. Seven Eleven, Yeah. And, um, so that, that I worked in the engine shop. I ground blocks and radius rods. And I did a lot of stuff that today the CNC machine does it all. Absolutely. Back then, absolutely. we used to sit there with a grinder and set of headphones <laughs> all day. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and customize these engines. And uh, then when, when they, um, Kyle went to Mike Curb or Richard did, they, Kyle went to the Wood Brothers. Richard went to Mike Curb Racing. Remember that? He left Level Crossed. And yeah. I went to work for a guy named Cliff Stewart. And we had this young guy that come and drove our race car. His name was Rusty Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> and big I was old the, Afro, big old Afro hair, I'm sure. I was the rear tire changer on the Gatorade car, the 88 car for Rusty Wallace's rookie year. Come on, Mike. I never knew that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. We actually won the pit crew championship that year. Wow. Rocket Man, they used to I, have. The, the, I have. You won the, so you were the rear tire changer. Y'all won the pit stop competition. Go yep. figure that, man. <laughs> wow. With, uh, Dave, well, that was short-lived, but that's pretty cool. Career. Yeah. And so wow. Rusty, he would tear the car up every week. Like most of the people, <laughs> we was old hutch cars, old rear steer hutch cars. We'd yeah. take that thing back and Barry Owen and I, Barry, Barry basically wow. trained. We sort of power that stuff all back out and straighten it back out and take her for the next week. We had six guys and coming from Petty Enterprises, where it was a big enterprise. Oh, yeah. We went over to Cliff Stewart's. We had six guys. Daryl Bryant was the crew chief. And um, we, I mean, we took turns doing everything i'd be packing wheel bearings one day doing body work or paint the next day helping set the car up for straightening the frame the following day and changing tires on the weekend hey mike you know what's interesting about this story is man when you moved east back to north carolina you moved to north carolina from california i mean to work for richard petty petty enterprises in their engine shop and then to leave there when richard and kyle left and then to go work on a pit crew on a team that only had six people and Rusty Wallace was a race car driver. What people don't know, or a lot of them do on inside the industry, but Mike Skinner can build his own race car. 
he knows everything about chassis setups, engineering. That's one of the things I was always impressed with you. You knew every aspect, how the race car worked, the geometry, the, phys the physics of a race car. And most race car drivers today don't have a clue how that kind of stuff works. And you could, you could build your race car from the ground up and get, in, and get in that race car and win with it. So that's pretty cool. And now I'm well, understanding why. There, there was, there's good and bad to what you just said, though. We knew every aspect of the race car. I built my own engines for, uh, for quite a while. And then right. Terry Illich uh, started building my engines before he moved back east. And, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. But nowadays, the drivers, these young kids, and, and God bless them, but they're, they spend their time in a simulator or, or on iRacing <laughs> or yeah. with an iPad, whatever. All they have to focus on is driving that race car nowadays. We had to understand the car. And I, I didn't have Larry McReynolds for a crew chief back then or Gil Martin or, you know, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Hensley or anybody that, that had all this knowledge. I had to basically go, man, we need to put some more caster in the left front. Absolutely. You know, we, these cambers aren't working out or, you know, if we, if we, if we, Put a little more bump steer in the right front. It won't be so loose getting Absolutely. in the corner. These kids, wouldn't, they, they don't even think they know what bump steer <laughs> no, is. They don't so, clue. But, but, but they understand they have to drive the race car. So the good news for today's racing, that's all they have to focus on. And back then, we had to do it because we had nobody else to do it uh, for absolutely. us. Absolutely. You know, we didn't have rich moms and dads or aunts and uncles <laughs> to, to, to go yeah, buy but, a ride. But you know what? I, I just watching you over the years and competing against you, you know exactly that communication you had with your crew chief and your engineer. If you had an engineer, you know you were a major part in how that your trucks and race cars were set up because you understand. And if you went in the corner, that thing was free, or wouldn't rotate in the center, or you didn't have very good forward bite. You you knew what the you knew you could tell them what you think the car needed. You know, I think that was an advantage. It's always been an advantage for drivers that understand what they need. I think it's a big advantage in, in our sport. Back then it was way more important than it is today. Absolutely. And, and, it, and it's kind of funny because I'll, I'll, I'll back up just a minute. And when I, I got ready to leave um, the team because I, I didn't move to North Carolina to, make Rusty Wallace famous. I moved to North Carolina. So I would hopefully get a shot. I absolutely. And uh, so I went in and, and talked to Daryl Bryan and I said, Daryl, I said, I'm going to give you my two weeks notice because I'm, 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 I'm going to start a body shop and that way I'll have weekends off that I can go race late models or whatever. And he goes, man, we don't, we don't want to lose you. So what will it take? Can we give you more money? What will it take? And I said, well, there's only one thing that would get me to stay here. And he goes, what's that? I said, I, I want Rusty's job. <laughs> he said, well, I can't give you Rusty's job. <laughs> that, like, well, that's, you, that's typical Skinner. Hey, I'm asked, you my two weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, man. That's awesome. Well, well Mike, let me ask you, too, because a few years advances and it's 1986 and you get to run a few races with the Zanworth Racing Team. How did that all come together? Well, actually, I was uh, riding my motorcycle down the the street one day heading towards Randleman and I saw this old chassis out next to the road and I'm like I know what that's old third design how car and I knew exactly because I ran those cars uh -huh. and so I just pulled in and started talking to the guy and the guy's name was Reggie Newman he had a body shop 
and uh, basically I said, hey, uh, what are you going to do with that car? He goes, well, we're building that thing. I'm going to run it at Caraway Speedway. I'm like, well, wow, that's cool. When you start getting close, if you need any help setting it up, I know those cars pretty good. Maybe I can help you out a little bit. So they get the car built and, and I went and helped them set the car up. We scaled it all out and worked, went through all the front end geometry and got it, you know, half-assed straightened out. And sure. we went to Caraway and Reggie was driving and he would come in and say, well, it's doing this or it's doing that. And we work on the car and, and finally, Reggie came in. He said, Mike, he says, would you take this car for a couple laps? Because I don't feel like I'm telling you what you need to hear to, 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 to help the car. I'm like, sure. So I jumped in the car. My, my first lap on the racetrack was about a second and a half faster than Reggie. <laughs> that's, that's typical Skinner. That's, that's Mike Skinner, you know. Oh, hey. So I came in and he goes, oh, man, you need to be driving this car. This is stupid. <laughs> He said, I'm not driving this damn thing. I want you to drive it. Will you drive it for me? And that's how we got started. So we won a bunch of races at Caraway, and we were hated by a lot of people, which was always my goal. Yes. And the next thing you know, <laughs> we, we decide we're going to build a cup car and, and try to go cup racing. So uh, Reggie and I and another guy, we bought uh, a chassis from Cecil Gordon. Wow, Cecil was Gordon. With Dale, yeah. was, was with Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. And uh, we had Barry Owen actually yeah. help us. And we hung a body on thing. We had a Pontiac body and we bought most of our stuff come from Petty's junk pile. You know, right. we get stuff from there. And, and um, we built that car and went to Martinsville. And one of the coolest things that ever happened in my career, I, I made the race and watched about six or seven tractor trailers pull out the gate that didn't make the race. And, we pulled up there with an old rusted out three quarter ton Chevy truck with egg crates with our spare parts that we stole from the grocery store. Dude, that is what a great, it was a pretty cool moment in time for me. Man, Scudder, that's an awesome story, man. It's amazing how you did it and, and uh, with true passion and drive and, and wanting to be who you turned out to be, you know, and uh, unbelievable, you know, just hearing these stories that wouldn't happen in today's world of nascar racing and it's just cool to hear your story so how do you go from making that race at martinsville virginia and and i don't know 1984 85 whatever year it was to driving for richard childress racing and being dale earnhardt's teammate man i, I know we're fast forwarding through a lot but uh man that's uh that's the ultimate far as i'm concerned to be the intimidator's teammate is only fitting for for mike skinner because i i know who you are you're the intimidator yourself you know so it's uh, it's kind of interesting you know it was a cool chapter because what had happened is we uh we went broke trying to race and i burnt the rear gear up at martinsville we had a used gear that we bought from the petties okay and um you know you just we just we went to um to rockingham and we missed the show I might have made the first race and missed the second race, but I missed the show by one one thousandth of a second. Ooh. Richard Petty, Richard Petty beat me out at the last second. Wow! And uh, I'd spent like eleven or twelve thousand dollars freshening up the engine. We sent the engine to Terry. Terry freshened the engine up, and it just broke me. It, right. it, it, we just couldn't race anymore. We, we were done. So sold that car, and I traded that car 
for an old Hal car and built a late model car and said, I'll just go run Caraway. I'll prove myself somehow. And um, so we, we were winning a lot of races. Uh, Kevin Blank used to build a lot of race engines, uh, late model engines. And I went to him and I said, Hey buddy, I says, I ain't, I ain't got any money. I said, but I need an engine. And I said, I'll, I'll, uh, I don't know how, what can we do? What, how can we work this out? And he said, I don't finance anybody's engine. <laughs> he said, but I've seen you drive. And he said, I'm going to help you. And wow, so, cool. he built the engine and uh, I gave him all the money I had. And every time I won, I'd send him two or 300 bucks. Okay. And so we were doing well and we won a bunch. Of, I think we won, um, that year I ran 22 races and I won 11 of them and had 19 top five finishes out of the 22. So I had a pretty, pretty successful year driving my own car. And, um, that's when you remember David Hyder. Oh, heck yeah. I remember David Hyder, David Hyder and Gene Petty, Richard's first cousin. They come down there and they had a spaceship, man. <laughs> He'd outqualify me by half a second. <laughs> and, and uh, we had a big 300 lap race and it, it came down to like a green, white checkered. And I used him up and, hey, and won the race. I didn't wreck good. him. I didn't wreck him, but I pushed him out of the way and he was mad. And, um, few days later i came home from the body shop and there's gene petty sitting on my picnic table in my backyard come on and uh i said how you doing sir you you know i figured he was mad at me for absolutely the, the back bumper off his car right. and um he hey goes, mike i think you call that putting a show on for the fans right <laughs> whatever I, I was just trying to win i needed I to win. I so, so he he says well you took a piece of shit and you beat the hell out of us and uh, it was a big race. I think it paid, I think it might've paid 10 grand. It was five or 10 wow. grand to win. It was a big deal for us. Absolutely. And um, so he goes, well, I want you to drive my race car. I said, well, what are you going to do with David? He said, I'm, 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 I'm going to let him go. I, I want you to drive my race car. And uh, he said, what would it take? And I said, well, I have a body shop. And I said, I do all the paint matching and everything. And I said, I'd, I, I pay myself 300 bucks a week and he goes, I'll give you 300 bucks a week and you come work on my race car and drive it. And so I started wow. driving Gene Petty right then. And we, we won our very first race together. And, uh, he, he took his grandkids to Disney world while he was gone. I cut 63 pounds out of his race car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he can't be mad at you for making it lighter and faster and putting the weight where it, probably where you needed it, you know? What oh. a great story, though, man. You took a, a – He was so mad. <laughs> he was so mad when he came back. I thought he was going to fire me. And uh, we uh, we ran um, 28 races that year. We ran 32 races, and I won, like, I don't know, That's 18 amazing. or 20 of them. and. And had like twenty eight top five finishes. I we we just killed them. We and we won all the big races. We won Tri County. We won Martinsville. We won wow. uh, Myrtle Beach. Absolutely, all the big paying races. We won them all. It was Pulaski. We 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 ran good. And uh, okay, so I'll okay. fast forward some to get to where I got the call from Richard Childress. 
yeah. Mike Dillon, which yeah. you, everybody knows Mike Dillon. Yeah. He had the performance parts sponsorship. It was the well fundedest team in, in late models. And we were at, at New River Valley at the Pulaski and um, I was driving for Gene and I was running about, I don't know, third or fourth and a big wreck happened. And a guy ran over the back of the car, his right front came in the car and hit me in the head with the right, with his right front came across the hood, tore the air cleaner off, tore the car all to pieces, but it was still run. And, um, he said, man, you got to get that thing in there. I said, Gene, I, I can't, there's only like five laps to go. I, I can't give this position up. He goes, are you okay? And I said, well, my head hurts, but I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and he, uh, my head's still on my body. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm all right. So the way Mike Dillon tells it that I won the race, but I actually finished second, second or third. And, so and after the car was that damaged, Mike, I just fought my ass off for the last five laps and, and, and stayed up there. And so anyway, Mike Dillon went back to, to Richard and Terry Elledge was already a big fan of mine because we right. was for me and I won a bunch of races with him. And Mike Dillon said, you know, told Richard, said, there's this guy named Mike Skinner. He's a crazy son of a bitch. He said, that's the guy you want to drive your truck. And so I go back and I'd already told Gene that I was going to leave the following year because I wanted to go bush racing. Okay. He said, well, we'll build a bush car. You're going to build it though. I'm like, okay. So we got a Laughlin chassis and once again had Barry and, and some of those guys help us with the body. And, um, we, we, uh, we went to Charlotte set on the pole. Well, wow. Richard Childress came up to me and goes, well, I was going to ask you to drive my truck. Da, da, da. I didn't even know what he was talking about. I didn't even know there was going to be a truck series. Right. I, I go back to the shop and I'm working one day and Richard calls. And um, I go to the phone. He goes, it's Richard Childress. I'm going, wow, what's he calling me for? And uh, <laughs> I've met him a couple of times at a, actually at a car sale. And he goes, I'm looking for somebody to drive, drive the truck next year. Well, I said, well, if Earnhardt calls in sick, give me a ring, but I ain't got no interest in driving no damn truck. He goes, are you kidding me? I said, no. I thought he was talking about, talking the, about the, the transporter. The <laughs> that's awesome. So, that's, that's awesome, dude. So we, <laughs> we, we, we go to Indy. We go to Indy to the short track, and, and, and Dennis Setzer and I, we're up there wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing the hell out of each other. And, yeah. And um, Gene was the spotter. Well, he ran me into a wreck. And I was so pissed. I just like, oh my God, I'm just so, I was so mad because I worked so hard. And we'd bought a couple of Harry Gansel cars from Leo Jackson. Okay. And so anyway, on the way back home, my, my ex-wife now, my wife at the time said, do you realize who's asking you to drive for them? She goes, you know, they're going to NASCAR's doing a truck series. I said, what? And so when I got back, I called Richard and I went over and, and um, kind of the rest is history. I got my big opportunity. So, so Skinny, you're telling me you thought Childers was talking about the hauler, the truck yes, driving, the, driving yeah. Earnhardt's cars to the racetrack, being the hauler driver. Yeah. And you, and you turned him down. Yeah, I hung up. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's, cla that's classic Skinner story right there now. Oh, we're still friends. Hilarious. We're still friends to this day. Matter of fact, he called me just a little while ago. Man, that is awesome, man! And right. you're... This Golly, is uh, man. Let's, let's go racing with David Starr, truck series legend Mike Skinner joins us on the program this week. So, Mike, you get to the truck series, 1995, the very first year of what was called the NASCAR 
Super Truck Series, and you won the championship. Tell us about that year in the inaugural season of the trucks. It was crazy because we went to um, the – we missed the first winter heat race at, at, at Tucson. Yeah. We went to the second winter heat race, and we sat on the pole, which this will really shock David. Yeah, we sat on the always, pole by yeah. over a half a second. <laughs> what I tell you, they see, it ain't and, just a little bit. <laughs> David, th this is crazy. That rate, and I, I, I'd never drank an O'Doul's in my life. We go back to the hall, to the, to the motel, and I, I'm in bed by nine o'clock. I had an O'Doul's. I went to bed, shot a couple games of pool. I'm like, oh, this is my big opportunity. I'm not going to screw this up. All right. So we went qualified on the pole, and when the race started on lap 20, my spotter, Tim Overby, comes on the radio and he goes, hey, um, the leader's about 20 back. You're going to get lapped if you don't pick it up a little bit. Come on, Skitter. Seriously? And I, I swear to God. And so, thank God the caution came out. <laughs> so, we get we get the thing going. I, I, I think we ended up finishing in the top five, but we, we were terrible. And, and so, oh, anyway, we go back to welcome, and, and Richard says, well, how did you used to prepare for races? I said, well, we chased women half the night. We drank. <laughs> we were a bunch of renegades. He said, well, you can't smoke pot anymore. You're going to be a race car. <laughs> Skinner, he, that's hilarious, dude. Come on. He said, no, I'm coming with you to the next winter heat race. I'm uh, like, all right. So Richard uh, brings me out in his jet. Wow. We go and have a big steak dinner. We went and we caroused and we drank. I think he dropped me off the hotel at wee hours in the morning. I had to be Come at the on. racetrack in a few hours. Come on, dude. I showed up at the racetrack. I couldn't even see straight. <laughs> I got in that truck and run practice and uh. we qualified third and I was devastated. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. This is terrible. I mean, because I'm driving for Richard. I'm driving the G Goodrich number three. I think I should win every practice, every race, Absolutely. every pole. That was Absolutely. Absolutely. So we qualified third. And when that green flag dropped, we were out of here. We drove past them. And we at one time, we had everybody but second place a lap down. And we won the race and went back. And he goes, man, this is going to be tough. He goes, I, I can't come out there every every week before the race and get drunk with you, buddy. He said, you're going to have to find a happy medium somewhere. Skinner, so, that's uh, hilarious, man. Oh God! And off to Phoenix we went, and um, one little story I got to tell in between there because nice. the first race, sure, I called Ron Hornaday. I think Hornaday might have won that that <laughs> second winter heat race. Right. I called said, Ron, man, I I need some help. I I'm terrible. He goes, well, yeah, you're qualifying every lap, and you got a bunch of horsepower, and you're just melting the tires. Okay. You're really fast for a little bit, but then. He said, man, put an egg under that throttle. And Hornaday gave me some driving tips. Yeah. I went back and won the next race, and he come to me, and he goes, no, no more. more tips for you. <laughs> You're on your own. The hell Skinner, with it. Skinner, that is funny. I, that's interesting, man. You know, because, man, I always came to Mike Skinner for driving tips. You know, hey, this is where I'm letting off. Am I driving too deep, not deep? You know what I mean? It, it's interesting that. You know, one of your major, major rivalry, Mike Skinner and Ron Hornaday, that he gave you some tips, man. And uh, that was probably the last tip he ever gave you, wasn't it? 
Well, he gave me a few tips after that, but it was not, not nothing to do that's going to help me go fast, I can tell you that. <laughs> And that's we're awesome, really good man. friends to this day, which that, is which is really special to me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Wow. What, so, what, a, what a cool story. Wow. Yeah. So you won the championship that year. Tell us about uh, the, the process getting to that point. What, what was the feeling like when you guys got to the end and won that first truck title? Well, it was tough because um, we'd, we'd, we'd went to Phoenix and I qualified 16th because the engine broke while we were qualifying and we didn't have to start in the back. We started 16th and there was seven cup drivers in that race, by the way. Wow. And, um, so I, I, I slid, we, we fixed the engine. It broke some valve springs. Okay. <clears throat> didn't have to change engines. We fixed the engine, started 16th. We worked our way up through there and think two three two or three laps to go I passed Terry Labonte and we raced and I was sideways off the corner and we we won the race and then we went somewhere else and we we won and we we, we get to Bakersfield and it's Hornaday and Spr oh, we're all out there beating the hell out of each other right. and um Will Lynn started chewing my butt out he goes man you knocked the nose off the damn things just practice what are you guys doing you know <laughs> And I said, well, Richard said he wanted somebody to drive the hell out of this thing. And I'm your guy. I'm going to drive it. I said, if you don't like it, I'm going to quit. <laughs> and I actually went and called my wife and said, I'm going to quit. And she goes, that's okay. You're a hell of a race car driver. You'll get another job. Cool. She said, you'll be driving for Rick Hendrick or somebody else if you quit this job. I'm like, okay. So when we got back to welcome, we went and sat down with Richard. And, and uh, Richard basically told um, – uh, Richie, uh, Richie, Rich Burgess, which was my crew right. chief. And Will has said, listen, I hired this guy to do a job. I got confidence in it. If he comes in here and tells you to take the right rear spring out and put it in the left front, don't ask him no questions. Just do it. Wow. And let him go. We're going to give him enough rope to hang himself. And, um, we went on and, and we won Bakersfield a week or so the next time we went, whatever. And we, we won eight races that year, and um, I don't know. We had a bunch of poles. I think we won 10 or 11 poles or something like that. Man, Skinner, but, that's amazing that Richard Childress – I mean, isn't it wonderful when you have an owner that has all the confidence in the world in their driver and can have a conversation like that to the crew chief? Whatever my driver wants, because I have 110% confidence in him, you do what he wants. That's amazing, man. It was, and, and I'll be honest with you, it was rocky for a while because we had the deck stacked. Our team was – we had the best team. Absolutely. I, I, I had a great crew chief. Will Lynn was an amazing manager and a life coach to me. You know, we had Todd, – Todd Barrier was my shock guy. That's how – Wow, how Todd Barrier. Wow. We had Jesse Coke and Johnny Seiler. Jesse Coke was a famous chassis builder. Absolutely. Johnny Seiler, one of the best fabricators ever in the business. Right. We had the deck stacked. stacked. With Greg Meredith driving the truck. We, we had a bunch of really superstars on that team. And, and it would have made an amazing cup or Xfinity team for that matter, or Bush team. <laughs> at the time. And, but Richard just said, listen, give him a little time, let him hang himself. And then it, it, <laughs> stuff don't work. Then he's going to listen to us. Well, then it got to the point where we found the happy medium where they would try my idea. And if they didn't want to try my idea, they would tell me. Absolutely. Go, 
okay, then let's do it your way. And if their way didn't work, then I'd say, okay, now we're going to do this. And we found a, a, a marriage there. We found a happy medium and uh, we spilt a lot of champagne that year. Yeah, you did. No doubt about it, man. Unbelievable. That's cool to hear those great stories. So Mike, we're going to fast forward a little bit. So man, you know, as, as a driver in the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series for a long time and and being a fan of yours and watching you, man, you, man, when you ran cup, you were a tough competitor, you know, and, and, and all of us, all of us, if you know anything about our industry, you know that Mike Skinner, I mean, you know, people that know you and, and fans of yours know you're tough. You're a tough competitor. You're a fierce competitor. And I always heard all these stories about Earnhardt and Skinner, Earnhardt and Skinner. You know, it was like, you know, because, I mean, when somebody was going to pass you, that, I mean, you were tough, you know. And I don't think that ever changed, even being teammates with with uh, Dale Earnhardt. And I've always heard that he didn't appreciate, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I always heard that Earnhardt didn't appreciate how hard you ran the race car and how tough you were on the racetrack. Can you share some of that with us? He hated it, and he didn't want a teammate. And this, <laughs> this, this and, and, you know, why would he? he? He had won all those championships and did all his accomplishments without a teammate. This is when Roush and Hendrick and all those guys were just starting to do two-car teams. And Richard, we were kind of some of the last people, some of the last superpowers to the, to the party. Okay. And so Dale, Dale didn't like it. He didn't, he didn't want no part of it. And then he probably raced me harder than anybody else. Maybe with the exception of, of Jeff Bodine. He didn't like Jeff. <laughs> but... but Anyway, we, we, it, it took a long time. And, and sadly enough, uh, we were, um, we were at Texas and this was the year before we passed away and, right. um, Rusty was still driving and, and we, we, uh, we, we were in practice and the 31 car was on top of the board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the three car was 40th. Wow. And so it's like, 10 or 15 minutes of practice, probably 15 minutes of practice left. And Richard got on the radio and says, Hey, you guys are in pretty good shape. Aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to race super good, but it's fast. And he goes, would you mind taking the three car for a couple laps? Says Dale thinks there's something wrong in the front end. And he wants you to make a couple laps in it. I'm like, sure. Wow. So I came in and got out and I said, don't put no tires on it. Cause they were going to put tires on. I'm like, no, right. I want it just like the last time he drove it. <clears throat> So I go out, my very first lap, put the three-car third on the sheet. Oh, God. Picked up seven-tenths of a second. And wow, came, back, came back in, and Dale and Rusty came to the, the window, and Dale said, well, you sure made me look like an asshole. And I said, well, that's because you are. I said, but instead of let's – we've already got that established. Let's figure out why the car was faster. So I got out and I walked him through the lap and walked him through the entry into three and how we came to the green flag and what we did through one and two. He went, there's five minutes left in practice. He went back out there and picked up a half a second was right. Just, just right behind what I ran in. it. And uh, he came back and ran really good in the race. So um, that's the first time that I ever really got Dale's respect. Right. And from that moment on, 
our relationship totally changed. And I really, it was such a horribly untimely time that he passed away the next year because we, I really think that, that, that we would have been, now he was still going to race me as hard as anybody. Uh, absolutely. But I really feel like that we finally figured out, Hey, we can help each other. Absolutely. I think that would have made the team stronger, but uh, we, unfortunately we didn't get that opportunity after Daytona. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, wow, man. Thank, thanks for sharing that with us. What a, what a story, man. I can't, it's, it's, it's hard to fathom that Richard Childress came over the radio. Mike Skinner's at the top of the board, number one in practice, which is not surprising. What's surprising that the three car was almost did last or close to it. And you jumped in that car. I mean, he just pulled in no change in tires, no, put, no bolting on a set of stickers, no adjustments. You jump back in, Dale Earnhardt, number three, Goodwrench, Chevrolet, and you take that thing all the way up to third on the board, seven-tenths quicker. That's amazing, Mike. And uh, it's amazing that how y'all talked about how you got on the racetrack and you came to the green and just telling him how you did it, and he backed that up. That's amazing, man. That's what people don't understand why I used to come to Mike Skinner and ask him all the time, pick his brain and ask him about this and that, because dude, you, you know, you know what every racetrack is. I mean, you know what every racetrack you need and how you need to run the racetrack, how you get up to speed quick. I mean, you just, you're just good. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. interesting that you gave what I know about Mike Skinner to Dale Earnhardt and it helped him. That's, that's very interesting, man. I appreciate you sharing that. It's a pretty cool story. And then to add to that, David, you know, you, you look at what Mike was able to do with the car, getting the most out of it, getting all that speed and everything. Dominic, I mean, the, the records that Mike had reflected that. Absolutely, Tyler. And I mean, Mike, I'm, I don't know if you're aware of these records, but I mean, we've looked and you do hold some cup records. I mean, for better, for worse, right? Most laps led without a cup win, most polls without a, a win. And I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that was 29 laps led, and then I think it was six polls without a win, and then leading the lap with the most laps in a cup series race without a win. He did that four times. I know that was tied with Banjo Matthews. So, I mean, there are some cup records that you certainly hold. You know, we were probably um, the best team that just couldn't get the la the final straw, you know, the, the final deal. And we sat on the pole and dominated several races. Um, man, we were, we were at uh, Atlanta and, and I was just playing with them and just had the race won. It's like under 20 laps to go and a, and a $5 rod bolt broke. And we, we go to Martinsville, we're dominating the race. No way we were going to be beat that day. Our car was so good. A, a piece of rubber got in the alternator and killed the battery. Um, I mean, these stories go on and on and on. I got a, I got a six-second lead at Pocono, six laps to go. A cigarette butt fell on a racetrack somewhere, I guess. The NASCAR needed a caution, so we oh, got man. one. Every car came in behind me and put tires on. Wow. I was the only guy out there without tires. It, it, it just like the, these stories, I could tell you 10 more of them. And, and um, it, it's just like, I, I have nothing to be ashamed of. We were very, very competitive. We won every non-points race you could win. We won Japan two out of three times that we went there. Uh, we'd win Charlotte. We'd win Daytona. 
As a matter of fact, when we got to Daytona, Dale and I'd go out in, in a, in a, in a rent a car and he's going around there and, and he, and he's like, okay, you see this part of the racetrack right here. He says, this is right where you got to run. He goes, it, it's not going to feel good right there. And he goes, you can run right here for, you know, 10 laps, but you're going to get the right front tire wore down and then things going to be push and then get loose late exit. Right. You drove Daytona enough Absolutely. to feel and know what that feeling Absolutely. is. And he goes, so you're just going to have to change your line early when everybody else's stuff is starting to wear out, you're still going to have a right front tire left and uh, they'll be faster, you know, for a little bit, but, but then you'll be okay. Well, we won the dual race. That, <laughs> that, that I, beat, I beat Dale Jr. by foot, you know? And, and so it, we just learned so much and it was like, it was, we were well underway to becoming a, a, a two car team that was going to be significant. And, uh, sadly enough, I really feel like that, 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 you know, although everybody thinks they saw the best of Dale Earnhardt senior, I think that Dale Earnhardt senior probably had another championship in him. Wow. And there's no question in my mind that Dale senior was going to win four or five races that year because he was focused we had both, we'd both actually been in the gym and we were trim and we, we, we were putting Mallory metal in our pockets to make weight when we, you know, when we got there, cause they weigh the drivers. So, you know, they didn't That's make awesome. a trip back then. So we, we cheated our ass off. We were both, we were both 192 pounds, but we went across the scales at 201 and 202. That's amazing. So, Skitter. Wow. You know, we, we just worked it and we were, we were ready to go. And, yeah. um, and then we lost him. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. So, so, Mike, maybe you can kind of attest to this, too. I mean, I remember hearing or at least reading that maybe the long-term plan at RCR through the mid-2000s was to have you there in the 31, Dale to retire about 2002, 2003, bring Jeff Burton and Kevin Harvick in. What, what can you say about all that? That was never a plan until after Dale's death. Yeah. Uh, that that was never a plan. There, there was never a plan for Dale Earnhardt to retire until Dale Earnhardt said he was done. And so that, that wasn't the case. And, and Richard and I are still good friends. I think Richard wanted me there uh, for, for, till the end of my career. I really felt like I'd be sweeping the floors over there as an old man. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it didn't work out that way. And it, it's sad, but um, you know, I had a couple really horrific crashes. I had a terrible crash at Atlanta, two of them at Texas and then a horrible wreck at Chicago I had like bad concussions and, and back then there was no protocol. So I got back in the car, didn't even know where the hell I was at half the time. And, wow. and uh, um, it basically, amazing, it basically really shortened up my cup career. Um, a couple of years ago, Richard and I was sitting out here on my back porch and we were, we were chatting and I said, you know, and I, and I'd started driving my son's late model. I was winning everything I ran. And, and he says, I said, you know, it's sad. I'm probably a better race car driver than I've ever been, but I'm too damn old to do anything about it. <laughs> oh, you know, Skinner, you mentioned that, and I tell everybody today, Horner Day, Mike Skinner, they could jump into any NASCAR race car today, and I would put money they could still win, given it the right equipment, right people behind it. No doubt about it, man. So, David, I got to tell you one of the, the – and, and everybody asked me, what was some of the coolest stuff you ever done in a race car? Well, I drove AJ Foyt's Indy car at Phoenix. <laughs> Dude, that's that awesome, was one of man. the coolest things I'd ever done. And I run wide open, like 
200 miles an hour through the corner two, three, and four at Phoenix. Dude, that that's... was a rush of all rushes. But I got one that topped it. Okay. I drove my sons. I drove the uh, the the race at Bristol. Yeah. It was the U.S. Short Track Nationals. Okay. And I drove my son's car, and I held it wide open for three laps. Come Never on. Never touched the brakes. And run a fourteen seventy or eight. It was it was faster than the cup pole had wow. been the prior race that Kyle Bush had set on the pole, and that was one of the coolest things I ever done in a race car is, is run that late model around there. You talk about your knees shaking and the hair standing up on the back <laughs> of your neck. Oh my God, Skinner! I can't believe that the car would let you do that, y'all. Y'all got a good coolest, piece there. One of the coolest that cars fast, dude. That's that's amazing. Somebody, yeah, unbelievable, man. Go ahead, Dominic. I mean, no, no, I was just wanting to ask Mike now that you know about those records in the Cup Series, are you hoping somebody breaks them? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, actually, actually, I do. I, I don't, nobody should be that dominant without winning a race. And, Absolutely. and it, it's just, it was just horrible, horrible luck. And a lot of it was my fault because I overdrove the car. I would, I, I wasn't disciplined enough. And and in today's time, that's how you got to drive those cars. Back then, it was more of a chess game, and the tires wouldn't hold up to what I was trying to put the tires through. And we broke a lot of right front tires. And uh, you know, blowing the tire at Texas in twelve laps—that wasn't my fault. There, it just the tire came apart. Absolutely, it, it ran over some. I don't know. Uh, but blowing a tire on lap 30 because you over drove the car, that was your, that was my fault. And Absolutely. So, you know, I had to learn some discipline that I really didn't have at that time. I just drove the car for everything it was worth. Like Hornaday said, I was qualifying every lap. Every lap. And I don't think you can do that. In today's world, you pretty much almost have to do it like that. But back then you couldn't. The tires are better. Right. The walls are softer. The cars are better. Better. Yeah. So much more information that we have now that will keep the tires from blowing out. Right. Absolutely. Well, Mike, uh, I got one more question, and then we'll get to our uh, NASCAR news and notes and, and uh, our questions from listeners here in uh, just a moment. But I I'm going to show my age here for a second, Mike. I, I started watching NASCAR. I'm 24. I started watching NASCAR about 2004. And so I'll be honest, I don't remember your cup career, but I do remember those Friday nights turning on Speed Channel and seeing you racing in the truck series and the show that you guys put on every single week. That second run that you had when you went back to finish your career in trucks was just phenomenal. Take us through those days of racing for Bill Davis and Randy Moss and some of those guys there towards the end of your career. Well, basically, I had um... – and I, I got to thank Jay Fry for this, MB2 Racing back then. They had the U.S. Army car, and Jerry Nadeau had had a horrible crash, I think was at Richmond, um, and he, he, he was hurt. And so they started putting, I'm not going to mention names, other drivers in the car. Well, they weren't making races, and they knocked themselves out of the points, and that was before they had charters. And so – Jay Fry called me up and he said, and I, and I was doing starting parks and stuff for people 
just like bottom feeding at that point in time. I was making money doing it. So it was okay. I was still making a living. And uh, he says, man, he goes, I got to get somebody and get this car in the show. And he goes, I, I don't know anybody in the sport that's a better qualifier than you. So would you come drive for us? And they offered me a, a really good salary for doing that. A, 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 there was a lot of, a lot of uh, financial reasons that I needed to do that. Right. And we started running up front, getting top five finishes, sitting on the pole and, and leading races. And uh, so Jay's tells it, we resurrected each other's careers. So we helped MB2 show to the world because they had Hendrick cars and Hendrick yeah. motors. Those cars were badass. Yes. And, 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 and it helped resurrect my career because I got back in first class equipment and ran up front like, like, like I knew I could. And so that, 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 was, um, that was a really cool period of time. What happened was the U.S. Army would only sign one year at a time. And so they said, you know, they, Rick Hendrick was trying to find a place for Joe Nemechek. And Jay wanted – the team wanted me in the car. And, but they give me a one-year deal. That's about the time Toyota came along. They offered me really good money and a three-year deal and a home. And they just basically said, we, we, we need a veteran. We want you to help us bring Toyota into in NASCAR, and, and, uh, and you're our guy. And, uh, and I went, all right. And so I got to race less races. I got to spend a lot of my Sundays on the golf course or out at the pool, and I made really good money, and I could win. I could run up front again. And I didn't get into racing to say that I ran six, eight, nine hundred cup starts, whatever. I, I, I didn't care about that. I got in racing to win. I always wanted to win. And uh, when I got back in that truck, I could win. And it, it was it was a it was a decision that we had to make. And, and I don't regret it. That is awesome. That's great. Uh, guys, a couple more things before we get out of here today. Let's uh, go through some NASCAR news and notes. Uh, we, we'd love to hear from you, Mike, just what you have to say about some of the ongoing things uh, in NASCAR leading up here to the Daytona 500. Dominic, what do you got for us? Well, every week on the show, we take a look at the top NASCAR news and headlines from around the sport, get everybody's reactions. So with Austin Sindrick announcing that he's going to attempt this year's Daytona 500, that puts the entry list filled at 45 cars for this upcoming 500. The Great American Race hasn't had that many entries since 2015, since NASCAR moved to the charter system in 2016. So, guys, only 40 cars will make the 500, but we have at least five going home that we know of. Could be more announced. Well, you also have Jamie McMurray coming back. Absolutely. And uh, Derek Cope, Daytona 500 winner, is going to try to make it. I, I, I worry about the equipment that Derek will be in. Um but those guys are all real deal drivers and, and uh, uh, Austin is the future. He, he's, he's an amazing kid, amazing driver, very focused, uh, great background, great family uh, and, and got Roger Penske's eye. So um, he's got a bright future. And uh, I, I think that uh, anything can happen on, on, in restrictor plate racing only thing that they really need to focus on is laying down a good enough lap that no matter what happens in the dual race, that they're guaranteed in the race. So they really got to focus on that. They don't, they can't have a plug wire come off. 
<laughs> Mike, Mike, you've run a lot of these Daytona 500s over the year. Certainly, of course, there's 40 drivers in the field, but realistically, how many do you think can actually have a shot at one in the 500? Restrictor plate racing is a big equalizer. And I, I'm going to bring up a name that I have a lot of respect for his ability on, on restrictor plate races. Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was a great restrictor plate racer. Um, you could have a dark horse like that, somebody like that, get in the show uh, and, and win it. Jamie McMurray has won this race. He, he, he could be serious. He, he could be a threat to win this race. But there's eight to ten guys that seem to be the guys that find their way when it's go time to the front. And uh, I remember when Kurt Busch won it a few years ago, I think it might have been Kyle Larson or somebody was leading it, and it was like 10 laps to go. And I told the people we were with, I said, Kurt Busch is going to win this race. And they're like, How do, why, why you say that? I said, because he has lost it four or five times like I did, be in the wrong place, wrong time, wrong line, whatever. He's made all those mistakes. He knows what to do, and he won it. Well, real quick, guys, um, you know, you, when you, you look at this, I think there's about three guys that kind of separated themselves when it comes to plate racers, obviously Denny Hamlin went back to back 500s, you know, Chase Elliott's been great. You know, Ryan Blaney has been great. Those guys, uh, I, I would say those are probably your favorites, but then you look at, you mentioned some of those guys, maybe a David Reagan of some sorts, um, you know, uh, of just this entry list, David, there's going to be good drivers that miss the 500. I mean, there, there's, some of the best moments over the years of the, the 500 and the duels, David, have been just the fight to even make the Daytona 500. Well, you know, we've seen that over the last two or three years. Some of the Cinderella stories, you know, one that just comes to mind recent, I think the last year or two, Carl Long's, you know, Carl Long has two entries. Timmy Hill, I think Timmy Hill made the Daytona 500 last year. You know, obviously in a way underfunded team, unfunded car, equipment's not all there that you need. And to drive your way into the Daytona 500, just to be in that race, it's special, man. It's special. Skinner can tell you how special it is. He's had a shot at winning it. But just to be able to be in the Daytona 500, I mean, it's a career changer. It's, 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 those are dream things, you know. And, and I think you're going to see that. There's going to be some, maybe some good Cinderella stories coming out of Daytona after the dual 125s. Uh, so I, I think it's, it makes it interesting. I like it that there's not just 40 cars, there's 45, 46 cars trying to make the race because it, it puts a little drama in qualifying. It puts a little drama into the duels 125. There's, there's a lot of meaning there. So it, it makes the races more interesting for us that aren't participating in it to see who's going to make it and who's not. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm excited about it. And, and like Mike was saying, you know, talk about Austin Cindric. You know, driving for Roger Penske, I mean, he's he's awesome. He's a great driver. Like you heard Mike talk about him, his future is going to be so big in our sport, you know, and whether he makes it or doesn't make it, I can't imagine him not making it, but there all, there's always that chance that he doesn't. But still, however it turns out for him, his future in NASCAR racing is going to be big. Yeah, Absolutely. No question about it. Donick, what else we got? Last story we got, so Las Vegas Motor Speedway still, I mean, we have a few weeks out after the Daytona 500 for the Vegas race, but the track's still not sure if they're going to be able to have fans at the facility for NASCAR race weekend in early March. 
they weren't able to have fans at the September race in September 2020 after submitting a plan to the state and local officials. Still not really sure if they're going to be able to have fans for the spring race, but if they are able to have fans, we'll certainly pass along the information here on this show. Yeah, and, and uh, the Raiders there in Vegas did not get to have fans all season there. So, uh, guys, I, I know you love Vegas in that track and such. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't be the same if we don't get to have fans there, would it? I think that I'm going to be very excited when we have fans back but I think that we don't need to be too anxious and too rambunctious about that. Let's get a handle on this pandemic. So when we do open it back up, it can get back to normal. We were talking on our show uh, yesterday about, you know, a lot of these drivers are going to come complacent. They don't have to do the interviews they were doing. They don't have to do a lot of the stuff. One of the things that NASCAR has always had the reputation of, and David Starr is one of the best ever at this, they're, the race car drivers and the owners, and the t they're accessible. They're accessible to the fans. You can walk up and shake David Starr's hand at, at, at a race. You can walk up and get, get you know, Jimmy Johnson's autograph before he retired. You know, we, we, we didn't speak about Kevin Harvick. He can win that race. These guys are accessible, and they're accessible to the media. They're accessible to the fans. We cannot let that go in the past we got to get that back like it was. So if we have to be a little bit more patient for a while till we get a handle on this pandemic, then so be it. But I, I look forward to it getting back to normal at some point. Absolutely, Mike. I totally agree with you. We don't want to do it too early, but, uh, but man, you know, our sport's built on the race fans, uh, our, our sponsors, bring it, being able to bring them inside the garage area and show them that experience, the engagement, introducing them to other sponsors in the garage. I mean, it's important to get the race fans back and be able to bring our partners and everybody come back to what we know as a normal race weekend. But like, like hearing what Mike is saying, we don't want to do it too early because if we do it too early and it doesn't work out, it, it could be different, you know, it could hurt our sport for the future. So I, I, I totally agree with what Mike's talking about and what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's for certain guys. Uh, last segment before we get out of here today, time for, Ask David segment. We ask you to submit your questions to us on Facebook and Twitter. Check us out there at Star Podcast. Also via email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach us there. And I got a couple questions for David and Mike. Let's start with Facebook. This one's uh, from Junior, not Dale Junior, just somebody named Junior. Uh, Junior writes, What's Mike Skinner's real name? It's not Mike Skinner. Mike, is your name really Mike Skinner? No. No, it is Mike Skinner. I had to change my name legally to Mike Skinner to get a passport to go to Japan when we went to Japan and raced. My God-given name was Mike Quick. And uh, what a great racing name that would have been if I would have yes. known I was going to be a race car driver. But my mother and father got divorced when I was a small child, and my mother remarried a guy named Bill Skinner. And I took Bill's name and we never legally changed my name, believe it or not, until the first year we went to Japan. I don't know. It was 97, 98, some, some wow. back in then. And uh, so I had to legally change my name to Mike, uh, to Mike Skinner. Oddly enough, I had been married under Mike Skinner. I had two children. Their name were Skinner. Uh, my social security was Skinner. <laughs> but I found a, a deal where it really wasn't, but 
Uh, if I would have known I was going to be a race car driver when I was a small child, I would have never changed my name uh, because Mike Quick was definitely a better race car driver's name than Mike Skinner. Skinner, I got to tell you that uh, only Mike Skinner could get away with that. <laughs> His real name is Mike Quick, but he gets married. His sons, Jamie, Dustin, Skinner, and you and legally that wasn't your name. You know what I mean? That's that's amazing, man. What a what a cool story, dude. I never knew that. Wow. Dale, you know that Dale Jr. Dale Jr. lost it when I told him they <laughs> What? I'm like, man, unbelievable. But but you know what? I mean, Mike Quick. I mean, Mike Skinner, my it it's the same to me. Fast Mike, you know what I mean? Hell, you're always you know, it's it's fitting, Mike Quick. Who would have known that, man? Wow, I never knew that. I thought wow, Mike, Skinner. I thought Mike Skinner was a great name for a truck series driver. Like I, I think when I think of truck series, I think Mike Skinner. Skinner. You know, um, Dominic. I, I had no idea. Did you know that? <laughs> I had no idea. So you all broke some news to me on today's show. They say you never stop learning. Well, this is clearly some evidence. <laughs> Skinner, we all think we knew you pretty well. We don't know you that well, buddy. <laughs> That's <okay. laughs> Wow. So, so, some, something you didn't bring up and, uh, it, and it's funny because i got this crazy nickname the gunslinger uh, uh, how that came about was crazy because we 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 sat on the pole and led every lap at somewhere and the the color guys in the booth um one of them said i got out of the truck and i jumped up on the back and i pulled my guns out and, and shot in the air and and they interviewed me they said what was that about i said man it was just such an exciting day and you know we sat on the pole we dominated we wow. we just basically shot them down today we shot the competition down and one of the guys in the booth said he's the gunslinger and that that's how that came about that wasn't something that i did or a pr person did or or a manager it was it was just it's just, just how it played out for the moment and, and then after that, every week they introduced me. They started calling me the gunslinger. It was crazy. Oh, dude, that's a cool story, Mike. I love that. Wow, I've always wondered where that came from. That's uh, and that's that's a great way to get a nickname. You didn't give it to yourself or anything like no. that. That's the way it ought to be done. One more question wow. for you. This one comes from Mike on Twitter at Mike Ada O nine one three three O seven five. That's a lot of numbers. Be <laughs> a prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> Press his phone number, maybe. PR five four nine. PR Mike from prison wants to know, uh, <laughs> Mike, are you doing any kind of racing these days? Oh yeah. Well, for Christmas, my son Jamie uh, said, "Hey, you want to drive the Red Eye at New Smyrna Beach?" and uh, drive one of the one of our old cars and i'm like sure that was I mean, what a great christmas present my son gave me and uh we went down there and we practiced we were super fast we were super fast in every practice really we never made a qualifying run and david's gonna flip out about this but i just really screwed up qualifying really bad i don't believe and, that <laughs> um, and uh we we didn't qualify well and um, we had to start back in the pack a little ways and we got to second place with plenty of time left, but believe it or not, never got a caution. And Brad may had stretched it out about like two seconds out there. And I was a little faster, but 
I'd never got that caution in order to get up there. So we finished second. So it was kind of disappointing for me. So Skinner, hearing that story, too bad it wasn't your cup day because you know there would have cost you would have came out. Of you know course, I mean? yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? But uh but man, that's cool. That just goes to show you you still got it, buddy. You still got it. No doubt about it. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's great to hear. Guys, we're out of time. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each and every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and also on YouTube. And uh, we would certainly love to hear from you. And uh, also follow us on social media at Star Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, we would love to hear from you guys there. Uh, Mike, uh, what what all you got going on? You got the Sirius XM show. I know you're active on social media. Where can people see all what you got going on, man? Well, my wife is way more active on social media than I am, but uh, I look forward to Speed Weeks. My sons are are going to be uh, they're running Jade and 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 JP from Canada uh, during Speed Weeks. Uh, Jamie's liable to get in the car a couple nights. He always likes to get in there and show everybody he can still win, and he's, he's still got it. Apple didn't uh, fall too so, far from the tree, did it? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be doing that. And, and uh, we got a new, uh, uh, a new Prevost uh, Featherlight bus that we're going to go do some touring around in and have a little fun with that. We're heading to Naples, um, Tampa tomorrow, and then Naples. Going to go play a little pickleball with my buddy Tom Berenger, the movie actor, good wow. friend of mine. Um, gonna go play a little golf with, with our friends in the mountains, probably lose a little money. Hopefully I win some money, <laughs> but, uh, what I do, well, I do have one request. Um, you need to send me some of them, David Starr, let's go racing stickers. Oh, and I'll make sure they get on that. Well, I'll make sure they get on the race cars for speed weeks. Oh, that's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, that's we'll, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. We'll make sure that happens. Man Skitter, what what a uh, what an honor it's been, man. You're uh, you always been a class act and always been helpful to me, man. But man, it's it's cool. Our fans, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, you sharing uh, a lots of great stories that I've just learned about and everybody's learned about. We love hearing these great stories, and uh, man, what an honor it's been to have you on our show. Thank you so much for joining us. You bet, guys, and and. Uh... Pry this out of David in the next episode or two. Uh, let him tell a story. He was my teammate, by the way. We were teammates <laughs> on the same team for a while. Absolutely. We got to race each other and be on the same team. That was really cool, man. That was uh, that was a big honor on, on my part, to be, on a, to be able to race with my hero, Mike Skinner. And, and we drove for Randy Moss. I mean, we could have another podcast about all we're that. Gonna, but, I uh, need to have another podcast that, to hear some of those stories. Was, no, that was awesome, man. We need to get Randy yeah. on the show. tell us about <laughs> Mike, you work on that. That's <laughs> eh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, Randy's, a good, Randy's a good. Randy's a good guy. Oh gosh, that's that's too funny. Yeah, yeah, David, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we yeah. mentioned you're counting down the days to Daytona, man, and we should have an announcement here pretty soon on the show. Man, I hope so, man. Daytona's right around the corner, and I've been working hard. I, you know, I won't be able to sleep tonight just because I'm so stressed, but. uh Hopefully here the next day or two, we'll have some great news about uh, our 2021 uh, NASCAR season. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to getting to Daytona and getting our season kicked off. That's for sure. Very good. Uh, Dominic, what's going on at the uh, racing experts? We're still following the daily news of the sport. So we keep, we keep our riders, everybody follows the breaking news and we, we end up writing and making sure we keep the NASCAR fans in, well, 
informed. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for, informed. So keep, keep a look out there. And Twitter.com, we have our, our giveaways at the Racing Experts, NASCAR merchandise. All I got to do is just give us a like and follow, and we'll take care of you if you win. And like we said at the top of the show, if any of you would like some Let's Go Racing with David Starr stickers, while supplies last, just shoot us an email, davidstarrpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll get you taken care of. Again, Walter Pudlock. There we go. There you have it. Uh, we appreciate that, guys. We got to run. Uh, we'll see you right back here next week as we're just getting closer and closer to the Daytona 500. For Mike Skinner, David Starr, Dominic Aragon, I'm Tyler Jones, putting the checkered flag out on this episode of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.